Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program, live underway. A little different this week. We had a live show on Monday. We've got one today, but Tuesday and then Thursday and Friday, no show this week. A little different week as we head into a holiday weekend, an extended weekend for some. Always a great time of year. A little slow with sports right now. We are definitely in a lull when it comes to our sports calendar right now. The College Baseball World Series is wrapped up. But we did get the IU basketball full non-conference schedule yesterday, which those sort of things remind you that, yeah, we're in the offseason, but as we get closer and closer, you start to get dates and details and schedules. And before you know it, college football is going to be here. We've got some fun stuff with basketball coming up later this summer as well because the recruiting period, getting ready to kick back off with college coaches on the road. And as we discuss about every day on this show, Indiana involved with so many big-time prospects that they are going to be watching across the country here over the next month or so. But definitely a slower time in sports. Uh, We're here to get you through it from an IU perspective, also from a local sports perspective as well. And again, just a reminder, this is our last show of the week. We will have no live show on Thursday and Friday, but back next week. I think next week, other than the uh, July 4th holiday, we are with you Monday and then, of course, uh, Wednesday through Friday coming up next week. But uh, we'll get into more of a regular routine here. But a little abbreviated week this week. Thanks for bearing with us. Don't forget, if you missed a live show, you could always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you will find us there. And, of course, no matter how you listen, live on the Big X, uh, recorded on demand via podcast, we are so glad to have you with us. We have built up quite the following, doing this for almost 10 years now, talking IU and local sports here on the Hoosier Report. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we're going to talk a little summer basketball. The high school dead period is almost here, and I'm sure there are a lot of coaches that are ready for a break, but there's a really neat event coming up on Friday night, the West Porter Summer Shootout. It involves some local teams, and while the basketball is always good, even more important is some of the people that event has recognized and honored over the years. And Brian Jackson, a good friend who coordinates that event, is going to join us to talk about the West Porter Summer Shootout here in just a few minutes and give you the rundown in case you want to get out and see some summer high school basketball. I know a lot of people are so busy and there's so much going on in the summer, we don't always realize that there are a lot of great summer basketball opportunities locally. This is one of them. 
And it doesn't mean as much as the regular season. There won't be that type of crowd or the cheerleaders or the band and all the things that make Southern Indiana high school basketball special. But it's still a meaningful event here in the summer months. And so Brian is going to join us in just a minute to run down the schedule for Friday night. Tell us a little bit more about who the event is honoring this year. Later in the show, we're joined by Dustin Dopirak. Dustin is always with us on Wednesdays. He's with the Indianapolis Stars. Uh, Dustin is the Pacers beat writer, but talks IU basketball and college hoops with us. And, of course, coming out of the NBA draft less than a week ago, we'll get Dustin's thoughts on not only Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen hood Jafino, the overall draft, Victor Wimbiana, uh, and how did the Pacers do? We've really not talked a lot about that. So Dustin Dopirak coming up later in the hour. And then always on Wednesdays, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Uh, Josh had a huge event last week. It was fun to be a very small part of it. The Netsby Awards, the News and Tribune Sports Performance Yearly Awards at Eastside Christian Church in Jeffersonville. First class event. So many great players were recognized for uh, performing very well in their respective sports. A lot of coaches, a lot of other people associated with the high school sports in our area uh, recognized as well. It's always a great way to wrap up the high school sports season because officially with baseball and softball coming to an end a few weeks ago, of course for us locally, Silver Creek's baseball state championship marked the end of the school year and of the high school sports season for this year. With that in the books, high school sports officially on pause until we get into the football season, which the off-season stuff going on now, high school football will be here before you know it. But that's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. We love to get your questions, comments, input. Whatever you may have, you can send a text to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today, grab a fountain drink from Thornton's, and shoot us a text on the Thornton's text line, 502 414-1450. 414-1450. Brian Jackson, organizer of the West Porter Summer Shootout with us right now. Brian, great to have you with us to talk about a wonderful night of hoops that you've set up for Friday evening. Well, thank you, man. I, I, thank you for having me on and uh, excited to uh, talk about this again this year. It's our third, our third event and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Let's start with the basketball that will be played coming up on Friday night. Everything takes place at Graceland Church in their gymnasium. And Brian, you've got four participating schools that are going to come, boys and girls teams, for a nice format Friday night. Tell us the teams and tell us how things will play out Friday evening. Yes, uh, so uh, the event is named in honor of a longtime coach, 30 plus years, Coach Wes Porter. Um, He was a varsity coach at four local high schools over a career of 35 years, uh, Borden, uh, both, this is both boys and girls teams, but Borden, Christian Academy, Henryville, and New Washington. And the girls uh, tip off at, uh, at 5.30. Great stuff. Brian Jackson, our guest, talking about the West Porter shootout on Friday night. Uh, the format of the games, it's kind of like a jamboree, right, Brian? 
Yeah, each team will play the other three teams for two quarters, and uh, the last uh, quarter will be uh, sort of a JV, you know, allow some of the kids maybe didn't get in uh, some to, to play. And, um, you know, the, the first year we did this event, it was boys only. Uh, all the funds, you know, we had sponsors, and we got great sponsor again this year, and we got great support and great help from, from people at Graceland and around the area. But uh, the first year, the uh, funds went to a, a young family, uh, uh, the, the dad, the husband had played at Graceland and uh, had been diagnosed with ALS and, and uh, really had built, really been struggling at that time. So we did that as a wonderful turnout, great, great event. Uh, we did it last year, um, and um, all the funds went to Graceland Recreation Ministry. And, and this year, uh, the same thing, the funds will go to Graceland Recreation Ministry. They serve over 1,000 over a kids in our local area, a lot like your programs do and how you support and and uh, help the uh, the kids get going into their sports um and and this year we're going to honor uh coach tony acres uh coach acres uh coached at borden high school i think wes gave coach west porter gave tony his first coaching opportunity in the late 60s and tony was like me kind of bivocational worked a job and then coached in the evenings and weekends and and um served there at borden for a good while then he transition over to Graceland with Coach Porter. It's kind of on and off again. I, I asked Coach uh, uh, Akers, how many how many years have you coached? He said, gosh, I, I couldn't even tell you. But we kind of pieced it together, and it was over 30 years, and uh, finished uh, coaching with one of our friends, Coach Kerberg. Uh, they had a coach, uh, Steve, Steve had a great run at Christian Academy. Uh, he uh, played under Coach Akers at, at Graceland, and then when, when Steve got the job there at Christian Academy, Coach Akers came along with him, and they had a great run together. And during their best, one of the best seasons they had, uh, 2020, kind of got cut short after they won the sectional, uh, headed off to regional, and got the call about the COVID cancellations. Uh, Coach Akers at that time decided to kind of step away, and and he never really got the recognition, you know, never really being the head coach and the varsity coach. And uh, but he he helped so many young kids. Uh, they're adults. They're men. They're some of them even grandpas now, you know, but uh, just a great guy to be around, great guy to have on your bench, a lot of wisdom. Uh, kids loved him, and I got to coach alongside of him for a season, and uh, then he's always, you always find him in a gym somewhere, you know, he's always watching and, and interested in basketball, so wanted, he'll be 80, 81 this year, coming up in July, and so we'll be honoring him um, with a commemorative basketball signed by some of his players, former players and coaches, and and so, um, yeah, and Coach uh, Coach Kerberg is going to be there to kind of say a few words and looking for a full gym. I know it's summertime. I know it's Friday night, but we'll have concession stands open. And, um, you know, girls tip off at 530, going to be competitive basketball. All these teams that are coming, are, they're, they're on the uh, upswing in their competitiveness. Girls basketball is fun in this area. And then uh, the boys will kick off. We'll have a little ceremony in between boys and girls. Uh, and then we will uh, – We'll kick off with uh, with the boys. Hopefully, tip off around seven thirty. Well, Brian, the basketball should be great, but honoring some of the special people in the area it makes it even more special. Yes. Tony Akers, I appreciate the great rundown. I think he's one of the guys in the area that a lot of people know his name. A lot of people know him, and then there's a whole other set of people maybe that have never had kids or been at schools where he's coached but they would recognize him and they would mm. realize he's a guy, as you said, it's, he's always been in a gym over the years. 
I can't think of a better person for this event to honor, given the schools that are involved, your background there as well, than, than Tony Akers. Outstanding choice for this year. And for him to get some praise and recognition, I know he doesn't want that, knowing him as we do, but for him to get that opportunity, that will make Friday night even more than just basketball. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we have so many great coaches in our area, Great, even great support and, and assistant coaches around that uh, – you, you may know from a rival school or a school across town, but it's always good to see them. It's always good to talk to them. You miss them, you know, when they're gone. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to a retirement uh, party for one of my middle school coaches, Coach Joe Greg Wright at uh, River Valley and Jeff High. Yeah. So uh, 40, 41 years of coaching and teaching. And uh, he was on that uh, staff with uh, Coach Gilbert, won a state championship. So uh, a lot of people like that. And uh, so we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the competitiveness that we have in the area without these coaches, given their time and their talents, and most of them for little to no pay. So it's, uh, right. it's we got a great, great community of coaches. The West Porter Summer Shootout Friday at Graceland Christian Church. Girls tip off at 5:30. Boys will follow, and you've got four schools involved: boys and girls teams. Borden. Christian Academy, Henryville, and New Washington. Back to the basketball for just a moment, Brian. Those four schools, you mentioned it's the summer. You'd like to have a full gym. The concession stand will be rolling. Those four schools, they really support their high school sports, specifically their basketball teams. And as I think across some of the players and coaches involved in the Friday night event, both on the boys and the girls' side, you've got a good lineup there. There are some teams in that field, uh, both on both sides, that uh, should have a chance to have really good seasons ahead. They, they do, and it's, you know, you, you, we, do, we do talk summer. It, it's summer ball. What does it really matter? But I, I will tell you, they're competitive. These teams are competitive, but the kids are competitive. And uh, this is kind of a great way to wrap up summer basketball. I mean, it's going to be it's be warm in those gyms. It's summertime. Uh, we're getting ready to go into the dead period. Getting ready to go through the Fourth of July week weekend. And I think it's going to be a rowdy a rowdy crowd and, and a fun crowd and exciting basketball and some really talented players. Look at um, uh, an Ash kid from Borden and Joshua Renfro is probably one of the best shooters in our area that I've seen in high school. And so it's, it's and not to mention everything else that's going to go on with the board and girls team. Um, it's it's going to be a fun uh, it's going to be a fun night and a lot of talented players, boys and girls, and a lot of a lot of good coaches that are trying to fine tune you know what they can for the end of the summer and see what they got. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. Brian Jackson, organizer of the West Porter Summer Shootout. We'll mention this again later in the week, but Brian, great job pulling all this together. Thank you so much for recognizing Coach Tony Akers, and we'll talk with you soon. Well, thank you for your support, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Brian Jackson, the West Porter Summer Shootout. Just, just a feel-good deal Friday night. If you can make it out, do so. Honor a great guy and Coach Tony Akers, one of the real special people that I've had a chance to meet and interact with over the years here in the area. And you'll find that so many head coaches respect him so much in this area and need to see him get the opportunity to be recognized. And there's some great basketball planned as well. And for guys like Brian and many others that are involved in putting this event together, and of course the Christian Academy people, going back to Graceland, a gym that's got a lot of history. And uh, you talk about small school basketball, 
basketball that's been really good in the area. Go Think back to some of those great Graceland Christian teams in the area with David Scott and uh, some Ruben Nesmith and Chris Crawford, so many other really good players that come to mind just in the years I can remember. But uh, kind of neat to be back at Graceland playing some high school basketball on Friday night with the West Porter Summer Shootout. Brian Jackson with us here in the opening segment today. Still ahead, we have coming up in segment two, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. I do want to mention here in this opening segment, IU yesterday released its full non-conference schedule and a few comments from uh, Coach Woodson as well yesterday. Really, I think we knew just about everything that was released. We had had to piece it together, obviously, game or two at a time as those announcements were released by different people across the college basketball spectrum. The only one I don't think that we were aware of was a game with North Alabama. Uh, But as you look at this non-conference schedule, some really interesting moments for Indiana. They'll be at the Empire Classic November 19th and 20th at Madison Square Garden. Four-team tournament, UConn, Texas, Louisville. Semifinal matchups have not been announced, but you do wonder, is there a chance for Indiana and Louisville? Would that be a natural to pair those two teams against each other in a semifinal matchup there in New York City? Of course, uh, a game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on November 26th against Harvard. The 49th straight season, according to the release that came out yesterday, in which the Hoosiers have played at least one game in Indianapolis. Then Indiana goes to Atlanta for the holiday hoops giving showdown. They'll take on Auburn. That's a big highlight of the non-conference slate this year for the Hoosiers. That game is on December 9th at State Farm Arena. Kansas and the Jayhawks, they make their return trip to Bloomington on December 16th. And uh, those are some of the highlights. Of course, Hoosier Hysteria, that date has also been announced. October 20th is uh, the date for the preseason event and maybe an opportunity to see a quick scrimmage uh, from the IU men's and women's basketball teams this year. And uh, that's a look at the schedule, some of the highlights of the non-conference schedule. We've got schedule and uh, opponents and things of that nature for the Big Ten, we just don't have dates and TV designations and tip times, but we do know, obviously, basically the full schedule at this point. You know, all the opponents, at least, some of the other details, schedules, some dates, other things still to be announced in the future. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. We'll talk the NBA draft from last Thursday and a lot more with Dustin coming up here on a Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday edition of the program on Thursday or Friday, so this will be our last show of the week. We will be back with you on Monday, just uh, in advance of the July 4th holiday, so just a reminder of 
our uh, on-air opportunities here over the next few days. In this segment, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star is with us. We talk IU hoops and college basketball and more with Dustin each week here on the program. And Dustin, your your actual job now with the Star is covering the Pacers. So the NBA draft was right up your alley. Let's start there. Uh, your just thoughts on uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino, Trace Jackson-Davis, where they went, and then taking that a little further on the Pacers specifically. How did the Pacers do in the draft last Thursday? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just start with Jalen and go from there. I think the Lakers is a good fit. Obviously, I think there's a chance they let D'Angelo Russell walk. Uh, they could obviously re-sign him, but if they don't, you know, they have that they have uh, that gives them a young point guard that they can start to mold. Obviously, great situation for Hutchinson to uh, you know kind of begin his NBA career with uh, you know superstars like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, walk into a situation that's pretty good. Obviously, there's some players that they're going to be in a tough cap situation because they're the Lakers and they're always in a tough cap situation, uh, and that gets tougher with the new CBA. Um, but again, it's it's you know it certainly they're going to have James. Certainly they're going to have Davis. Uh, so he's going to have weapons to work with. Uh, you know he's going to have you know certainly good mentors to be around. Uh, you know he's a big he was a big Kobe fan growing up, so I mean wearing a Laker jersey is going to be really cool for him. And I think you know seventeen was a good fit. I thought he could have gone higher. Obviously, I think if some different things would have sh- shook out differently, he might have. Uh, you know Toronto I think would have been a good fit for him, but I think Great Dick still being uh, on the board was a little bit surprising to them, and they jumped on that. I think Jet Howard was kind of like the you know domino that sort of changed. <laughs> pretty much everything there. I don't think a lot of people expected him to go off the board at 11. And so that shook things up a little bit, but I think it was still, you know, obviously good for Jalen. He won the top 20. Uh, Trace, obviously, a, a lot going on there. Um, and so, first off, tried to tried to tell a lot of people beforehand that, that I didn't think the Pacers were going to be a good fit um, because they already have, you know, really four centers on the roster and they already had a log jam uh, there last season where they were having a hard time just getting playing time for both Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. They had to get Daniel Tyson some work. Uh, you know, that led a lot, bunch of those guys, each of those guys taking some DMPs um, and sort of slowing their growth a little bit. So they didn't need to add another, you know, small ball five in there, and that's absolutely how they viewed Trace. Um, so obviously tough break for him to be goes 57th out of 58. You know, you, you'd certainly rather go higher, and it's an excruciating process sitting there and watching other people's names go off the board. But he's in a better, better situation, I mean, I think, with Golden State. They don't have a lot of depth. Uh, at the five, and so he has an opportunity to kind of st- step in and be a backup immediately, whether they sign Draymond Green or whether they don't. Um, you know, he's going to have some opportunity to play. I think the system really fits him. It, it you know, certainly Draymond for years uh, has operated as a four and a small ball five, and he's got the opportunity to do a lot of playmaking, a lot of passing, um, you know, just uh, ability to make a lot of plays, and that's you know, that opens up a lot of things for Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, I think if you're trying to make him you know, sort of a 3 and D power forward. He doesn't really have that because he hasn't done the shooting yet. He's not necessarily a pick-and-pop five either. But if you allow him to be creative and you allow him to do some things, you can get a lot of value out of him. And I think Golden State can really do that. Certainly, I think you trust Steve Kerr uh, to find ways to maximize uh, his skill set and certainly take guys that might be drafted a little bit lower uh, and turn them into stars. Certainly, he's proven he can do that in the past. Um, so I think that's a really good fit for, for him, for sure. I think he's way better off for as much sort of hand-wringing as there was uh, around Indianapolis for that evening. Uh, I think uh, ultimately he's in a better place. The Pacers, I think, are, you know, they ended up, I, I think they were hoping for more. They were hoping to be able to move uh, their picks around 26, 29, and 32 and get a bigger return than they got. Uh, they ended up kind of pushing it forward. They got a first-round pick in next year's draft from the Nuggets that 
not the Nuggets' pick as far as where it's going to be slotted. It's, it's one they got from Oklahoma City. That could be any one of four other teams' picks. It's complicated, but ultimately, it, it does mean you avoid taking Denver's pick. And if they run it back and win it again, you know, you you end up with like 29th or 30th, and that's not super valuable. Uh, but they could be end up picking in the you know high 20s, the 20 to 25 range next year, somewhere in that, maybe even from 15 to 20. Um, so they're able to upgrade a little, and and the picks they made, I think, you know, really fit. I think Jarris Walker was kind of the guy. If you know, just about it, not just about every, every mock, but I mean, a lot of mock drafts for months. Uh, you know, even going back before the season ended, sort of pegged uh, Walker to the Pacers because he fits a lot of, of what they need. Defensive mind and power forward, he can really rebound the basketball, um, and has you know some interesting playmaking ability as as a big guy. He's, you know, measured six six and a quarter without shoes, seven two and a half wingspan, and about two hundred fifty pounds. There's the body that can really get rebounds. He can be a little be a little more assertive there than he has been in the past. He certainly has the ability there. He can defend multiple positions. He can handle guards and wings on the perimeter. He can block shots, uh, and you know, offensively, he can pass. He can play make. He can drive. Uh, he can shoot it a little bit. He was around 34, 35 uh, at Houston last year. So he's a good fit. And I think they really like Ben Shepard too, uh, as the, the wing from. Belmont, they, they really think he could play. He had a great combine, uh, had a really good career at Belmont, was all Missouri Valley this year, was also all Missouri Valley defense. Um, they like a lot of what they could do. He can shoot the ball, he can, he can, you know, defend one, two, three, you know, create a lot of deep, create a lot of offense on defense. Uh, and they just really like the kids' hustle, really like the kids' personality. They really like what they got there. And they traded back enough in the second round to be able to make those guys two ways. Oh, Mojave King is going to go play. Uh, I, I, apparently out of country, he's a New Zealand native, so he might go back to the NBL out there in the Australia-New Zealand league. And, uh, you know, Isaiah Wong is certainly a nice player that, that you can get to, to take out at 55. You obviously saw what he could do for Miami and what he did to, to Indiana in the, in the uh, second round. Of the tournament, picked up Oscar Shibway also, which is, Still, just amazing that you can pick up that guy as an undrafted free agent. He's, you know, led the league and led the country in rebounds the last two years. Um, so, ultimately, some nice pickups, some nice two-way guys. Uh, put, they could put on two-way contracts. I, I think they're just generally happy with the draft. I think they were hoping to make some bigger swings, maybe move up above seven, maybe move up somewhere in the ten to twenty range, maybe turn uh, one of those assets or a couple of those assets into a veteran wing. Uh, none of that worked out, but ultimately, I think the players they got, they're happy with. Dustin Dobirak, a great rundown on the NBA draft for uh, the Pacers beat writer from the star. You know, I don't know if you heard this or not. I didn't hear it until yesterday. Somebody sent me a link, but I guess it was the day after the draft. Trace Jackson Davis appeared on a radio show in California, uh, San Francisco, kind of his debut interview there after being drafted by the Golden State Warriors. And I guess the station had TJD and then immediately after him, Coach Woodson. So they actually put the two guys on the air for maybe a minute or two together. And it was really neat to hear those two interact. Almost as I listened to it, thought, this exactly is why Mike Woodson is such a good recruiter. He is well-spoken. He is connected. And you could tell there was like genuine care, love, respect between the two. I'm not even sure. I mean, it could have been the first time given Trace's travel and everything going on that they spoke maybe since he had been drafted. But I don't know. I don't, I'm sure a lot of fans that circulated around IU social media and websites. I'm sure other people heard that as well. But I don't know if you heard it. It was a special conversation, but pretty neat to get an inside look at what the relationship has been like between Trace and Coach Woodson. No, absolutely. I haven't had a chance to listen to it myself, but I will go find that now. Um, I think, I mean, it, it's going to be, not going to be, I mean, it is certainly fascinating just how, how they're connected. And, and, 
you know, you, you obviously look at it, the, the way college basketball is changing with the portal and, and certainly with coaching changes for years and sort of all of how the business of college basketball works at this point. You know, the, you know, certainly whenever you have a coaching change, you so frequently see guys leave, whether it's, you know, for the NBA or, or whether it's to transfer someplace else, because obviously, you know, if you weren't recruited by somebody, it's tough. You know, it, it's, a tough, it's tough to, you know, develop a good relationship there because they want their guys and, you know, you committed to play for somebody and, and, and all those kinds of things. And the fact that, you know, obviously Mike Wilson was able to convince him to stay, uh, you know, and said, hey, if you do this, you're going to be a better player, you're going to be, a bit, be in a better situation, you're going to go in the NBA, trust me. Um, and he was ultimately right. I mean, I think, you know, uh, obviously people, it would have looked better for Mike Woodson if, if Trace would have been picked 32nd or 34th or 35th or, or 29th or whatever. But he's going to be in the NBA and he's going to be a good situation. I think Trace obviously knows he's a better player because of it. But Trace obviously had to put to have some faith there, and they had to really sort of commit to each other. And it was, a, it was more of an adult relationship. It's not the same as when, you know, these guys start recruiting these kids when they're 14, 15, 16, and they get there when they're still 18. You know, Trace was... was especially because he's a mature, he's just a mature guy. He was a grown man when Mike Woodson recruited him, you know, to stay, um, basically. I mean, he was certainly capable of making his own decisions. He had a good sense of what the business was like, what the game was like. You know, he, he obviously had a sense of what it was going to take for him to be a pro and was certainly thinking about going that way. Um, and Mike had to convince a grown man to stay. You know, it's different than, than, than convincing a, a, a kid to come. He had to, he had to convince a grown man to stay. And that, I think, required some really sort of adult conversations, really, you know, two uh, grown men looking at each other and said, this is what I can do for you, this is what you can do for me, and, and having a sense of what that meant and connecting and bonding that way. Um, and, you know, again, I think, again, Trace has got a bit of an old soul at this point so that they connect, and it's not like this sort of reverence in, in, in maybe the same way that you can, you can look up to certain coaches, but it's sort of like well, we're in this together, we're a team. Um, it's sort of the, what the relationship I always got from it, the way Mike would explain things about Trace, where Trace would explain things about Mike. Um, you know, it, there was, it, it was a real partnership. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be cool long term when you look at, you know, whatever it is that Mike Wilson's going to accomplish at Indiana, however long he's there. Um, you know, it, it starts with Trace, uh, and, and they, he, he is in good footing through two years, and he's able to land five star guys like Mackenzie Mbakbo. Uh, you know, in, in large part because of what he was able to do with Trace and the winning they were able to do together. Um, and, and, you know, just they're in position. They've been to two tournaments together. Uh, really gets Woodson off on the right foot. And, you know, Jackson Davis, I think, can honestly say that he's a better player because he, he you know, worked for Mike Woodson. So there's there's just real, like you said, it's, uh, you know, sort of genuine, um, uh, it's not both sides, but mutual uh, respect and admiration, but also, you know, they, they, they poured into each other and they both won. Dustin Dopier, yeah, are you there? Got you now. <laughs> okay, good. Dustin, uh, l- uh, moving along here, we have some connection problems with Dustin. I think we've got him back, good to go. But Dustin, um, another topic about college basketball I had on my list for today. I saw just before we came on that the ACC SEC men's basketball challenge has been announced and these are the kind of things you look forward to for the upcoming year some really good matchups there between two big time conferences in college basketball but it's just not the same as the big 10 acc i thought those matchups were good that series that history that had built up over a number of years is gone and really it boils down to television rights espn is the promoter of that event they pull all the strings together behind the scenes to make it happen but 
Going to be good for college hoops to see those two conferences square off. Going to take me some time, and I'm really <laughs> going to miss the ACC Big Ten Challenge moving forward. No, absolutely. I mean, you look at this list, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, 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 there's good matchups. You know, Duke at Arkansas is going to be a good game. North Carolina, Tennessee is going to be a good game. Uh, Miami, Kentucky is going to be a good game. I mean, Clemson, Alabama has got a chance. Um, but, you know, those are the ones that stand out. Syracuse, LSU, maybe, depending on what LSU has, is a good time. Virginia A&M could be okay. Wake, Florida could be okay. Um, but it's like, you know, like you said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of history there that's missing, and there's a lot of, you know, the SEC is a football conference. I mean, plain and simple. Uh, obviously, Kentucky is a, is a power. Arkansas has had its years. Florida's had its years. You know, and, there, and there's some other teams that have been decent. Um, but the Big Ten certainly has a lot more cachet. Uh, as you know, as a powerhouse program, and then you look at the ACC, and you obviously have you know the Blue Bloods and the North Carolinas and the Dukes, and you also have some of the uh, you know programs that moved over from the Big East, you know, with Syracuse and Pitt and Notre Dame and uh, you know Miami, and, and you look at those and say, okay, you know, like Boston College to a lesser degree, um, but you know, there's there's just basketball history there. You've seen these matchups in NCAA tournaments throughout the ages and whatnot. Um, and so you don't have nearly, you know, the history when you're looking at these. And again, like most SEC programs are, are known for football. I mean, they, they've had some basketball success, but you don't think of them as basketball powerhouses. I mean, you've got Notre Dame playing South Carolina. Like, what, what's there? What history is there? Uh, Syracuse, LSU, you know, I think, I, I'm sure they've played before. I think they might have played in the tournament. But, I mean, if there's, you don't look at that and see a lot of history. Pitt, Missouri uh, doesn't grab you. Where some of these other games, you know, they didn't. You know, in the old days when it was ACC Big Ten Challenge, I say in the old days, I mean last year, but like you've got, you know, when you had North Carolina, Indiana, or Duke, Indiana, I mean, those obviously are Blue Bloods, Michigan State, uh, and either one of the Carolina schools was always a huge matchup. I mean, even Purdue, Florida State, even though they overdid that matchup, was a great game. I mean, uh, you know, any of Indiana, Syracuse, Syracuse, Michigan State, you know, those kind of games were, you know, dealing with powerhouses with, with Hall of Fame coaches and whatnot, and, and there's just a, a lot more to it. And, and it's just, again, it, it's more of a, you know, it's two basketball leagues. You know, ACC is definitively a basketball league. The Big Ten is both, um, you know, for sure, where the SEC has always been more football dominant. And so you're looking at these, and you look at a lot of these games, and you say, man, that'd be a really nice belt bowl, wouldn't it? Um, you know, like Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, Virginia A&M, or you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, Virginia Tech, Auburn. I mean, Florida State, Georgia sounds like a really good Sugar Bowl, you know. And so it's less, you, you don't see this and imagine these logos, you know, matching up on on hardwood. You imagine them on grass. And so it's it's different. I mean, it, it's going to be a good event. It's better that there is an event versus no event. And certainly, you know, you can't, it, it, at the end of the day, it's the Big Ten's fault, if you will, because the Big Ten obviously took more money. Uh, to leave ESPN, and once they left ESPN, this was going to go away. So you can't blame these two leagues for for finding something else or ESPN for doing it because they didn't have Big Ten rights. Um, but all the same, it, it is for for all that will be gained uh, by the Big Ten uh, financially for what they're going to do here for the games you're going to see on different television networks and all that. Uh, this is still obviously just a, a loss for all of us that are college basketball fans, and that that event goes away. Absolutely. Dustin, as we close out today, we did learn the full IU non-conference schedule yesterday. I think we knew everybody except one uh, that if you collected them individually, put it all together, uh, we knew all, but maybe it was North Alabama, I think, that was the one we did not know about. That said, this non-conference schedule, how do you rank it compared to other recent non-conference schedules, and how does it fit this team uh, for what's expected next season? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, they've, they've had better, they've had worse, and certainly last year's was a little bit more stacked when you have Arizona, and you do have that ACC Big Ten Challenge game. Uh, that opens things up a little bit. I mean, I think Auburn's a nice game, especially going down uh, to Atlanta, uh, and you know, that's certainly a place I like to recruit. Mike Woodson's obviously, I think, still at a house there, uh, and you see Rosamond, those guys are connected, so just anything you can do to you know, get some of the players that already have some teams in Georgia, like Caleb Banks, uh, get those, uh, get them, I guess it's just Caleb, uh, but get him an opportunity to be close to home, you know, just play an SEC school and sort of show that you're going to come down there uh, every once in a while. It matters from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, you know, certainly still having the Kansas matchup, being able to bring them into Assembly Hall is going to be terrific. Uh, like the Harvard game, uh, you know, like the tradition of playing one game uh, in Gainbridge, and so I think it's cool that it's Harvard. I just like, like, like involving the Ivies every once in a while. Uh, you know, like having Army on the list is kind of cool. You know, Florida Gulf Coast and having a couple names in there in the buy games that you've heard of: Florida Gulf Coast, Army, and Wright State. You know, you all or you've heard of all those groups, those teams at least. Uh, they, I guess they got Kennesaw State with um, the you know president's former president's former school. That's kind of cool. The Empire Classic. Um, so I have to look at remind myself who's in it. Uh, but you know, there, there's enough games. I mean, there's enough games for you know uh, net ranking purposes that you know they're, they're not going to get hurt by, you know, lack of net ranking in non-conference. There's, there's enough there. They're going to be okay. And, you know, like I said, some, some interesting matchups to start. Nice. They've got two exhibitions. It costs you something. Um, but, you know, you get to see them play a couple times uh, before the season starts against local competition, and that's nice. Uh, you know, certainly they've had better. They've definitely had worse. Uh, so this will ultimately be okay and be good enough. Uh, for them, you know, when they're, you know, looking for the tournament, I mean, you don't know how good this team's going to be. Obviously, it's a lot of shuffling and, and a lot of, you know, relying on new players and whatnot. So it's going to take a lot to figure out, you know, what this team is going to be like and what what its goals can reasonably be. Um, but uh, I don't. It's certainly a good enough a good enough non conference schedule that you're not going to be worried uh, come March whether you didn't schedule tough enough to get in. Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. He's with us Wednesdays on the show. Dustin, thanks as always for the insight. Have a great 4th of July, and we'll connect again next week. Sounds good. Same to you. Thank you. All right. Dustin Dopirak with us on Wednesdays. The Thornton's text line is open at number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. To a commercial break we go. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, joins us next. We'll talk local sports. We'll recap the Netsby Awards from last week and some other things to get to here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday edition of the program. Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. A couple housekeeping notes here. Uh, Wanted to mention that IU basketball, the Kansas game, uh, this also came out yesterday. The Kansas game will not be included in the student season ticket package as it's played, I guess, technically while it is holiday break in Bloomington. So the athletic department 
is going to reserve about 600 seats behind one of the baskets for student purchase. I think it was similar last year in Kansas. Obviously, the game is a reciprocal game. It was the same time of the month um, as far as uh, students at Kansas being gone on holiday break. But when you think of some of the great environments, some of the big non-conference games, especially at Assembly Hall over the years, the students are such a huge part of that. And that's the case in college sports. That's what it's all about. So I didn't think about the Kansas game being during the holiday break. But uh, when I saw this yesterday, it makes sense. So it will not be in their package. But uh, important that there are plenty of seats available, especially behind the basket for the students to buy. So just kind of a sidebar for the Kansas game, that is for sure. And a texter sent along a picture of incoming freshman Ja'Kai Newton from Georgia it looks like it's a screenshot of Newton and maybe his uh, Instagram, perhaps, uh, an Instagram story. It's a picture of him from behind. My goodness, for a freshman, this guy is built. I mean, he does not look like your typical freshman as far as his mass and size of his back and arms. So perhaps that helps him uh, as an incoming freshman find his way to the playing floor more often for the Hoosiers. But uh, thanks for the text. And Definitely. Wow. Uh, what a build for an incoming freshman uh, coming into Bloomington. Let's go to Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. He's with us Wednesdays as we talk local sports. Josh, you've been busy. Maybe now you can get a little bit of a break until the football season gets underway. Last week, uh, last Tuesday night, in fact, the Netsby Awards, a uh, job well done by you and all of the staff at the News and Tribune pulling everything together. It was a first-class way to wrap up high school sports for the 22-23 school year, and there were just so many great athletes and coaches and others involved in our local high school sports scene that were recognized and honored on that evening. Yeah, it was a great night. Uh, I'm glad you were there. You, you were able to help me out with our pre-show, and then you did some voiceover, too, so that was, that was very very helpful for you and we appreciate that but yeah it was a great night it was uh you know a lot of fun uh hopefully everybody who attended enjoyed it uh you know it was a it was a it was a good program and uh we were happy happy with it and uh happy that everybody could uh could make it out but yeah there was a lot of uh a lot of awards uh handed out you know obviously some of the big ones were, were team of the year and coach of the year and the you know, fittingly, those went to the, the two teams that won state championships last year, Providence Volleyball and Silver Creek Baseball, and then their coaches, uh, Terry Perica and uh, the retiring Joe Decker, got, got awards as well. So that was a that was a nice way to kind of kind of wrap it up. So it was, it was a fun time. No question. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Also, some big news locally from the volleyball scene. Addison McCoon of Silver Creek. Uh, she's a great volleyball player, going to be a junior, so still fairly young in uh, her high school sports career. She committed to the University of Louisville. That's big stuff from a local volleyball player, once again committing to a Division One program. Yeah, definitely, especially the way uh, Louisville's been been going the last few years, you know, coming off back-to-back uh, trips to the, to the Final Four, and then uh, this past season they lost in the, in the national championship match. So, you know, that program is really, you know, one of the best programs in the nation at this point. So that is, uh, that is a huge, huge commit for uh, for Silver Creek, Coach Jermaine and uh, his team. And, uh, you know, she she's going to join uh, CC Rush from Providence, who's uh, who's still there at UofL. So, you know, definitely got some 
we'll have even more uh, local connections on the team in, uh, in a couple of years, although I guess CC will be done by the time Addison gets there. But still, you know, having, having local representation on that team is, is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, Addison, you know, she's, she's listed at 6'5 now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's pretty big. So that's, you know, you can't, well, you can't coach height is what they always say in basketball, I guess. So I guess that's true in volleyball as well. But, uh, you know, they've, uh, Yuval's just got a great program. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see, uh, Addison joining that. And, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, I, like you said, she's still got two more years of high school, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, we'll see what she could do when she gets there. All right, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, he's with us Wednesdays as we talk local sports. You can read all of his coverage at newsandtribune.com slash sports and, of course, in the daily print edition of the paper as well. You know, Little League Baseball and Softball, the District 5 tournament, got underway on Monday night. I understand the 12-year-old division, that's that main division of Little League that eventually goes on to play on ESPN from Williamsport, Pennsylvania a little bit later in the summer. And it really kind of helps fill this void of professional sports that we're somewhat in right now. But I understand the New Albany and Jeff game, uh, two rival local Little Leagues that have great high school programs, was a wonderful game, a one nothing win by New Albany to start the tournament off Monday night. That's uh, that's that's crazy. That's a great game. Uh, you know, if I if I'm not if I didn't read it, if I read it correctly, I'm sorry. I think that the state tournament is at Jeffersonville this year for the 12 it is. boys. So that's uh, that's great, and, and that's going to be an exciting uh, exciting time. I think it's uh, I think it starts maybe July 20th, uh, possibly. But uh, yeah, that's going to be great to have a state tournament here in Jeffersonville, and I know. And I also know that the, they've already crowned some some district champs, and uh, I know in fifty seventy, they Ford Knobs has already won that. Uh, Hyr has won that. So, and then New Albany captured, I believe, it was nine U baseball and seven U baseball. So, those are those are done, and uh, we've we've still got some more tournaments. Uh, you know, uh, like you mentioned, the twelve U just really getting started, and then some of the other ones as well. Um, major and minor softball, I think, are, are just getting started. So. And they'll have their championship games, uh, I believe it's, you know, next next week or the, the 6th and 7th, I think, is a, are scheduled for those championship games. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great, uh, you know, really baseball is great. It's, um, it's still popular in this area, which is great, you know, with all the all the travel ball teams and stuff. So it's great to see and, uh, you know, look forward to, to going out to the park and uh, getting some games here in the next in the next week or two. Yeah, Little League Baseball and Softball, a lot of fun. Great tradition of that in this area. Local sports, community sports, and many sense of it still matter here locally, which is great. Josh, thanks for your coverage. Thanks for being with us here on Wednesdays. And again, job well done to you and the entire News and Tribune staff for the Netsby Awards last week. Well, appreciate it, Matt. Thanks so much. And again, thanks for your help. And we look forward to the uh, 11th annual Netsby next year. Absolutely. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday edition of the program. And for us, that's going to wrap things up for the week as well. So thank you for being with us 
Sorry for the abbreviated week. We will not have a local show Thursday and Friday. I am out. But we will be back on uh, July 3rd, Monday, for uh, a uh, pre-holiday show. And then we'll be back the rest of the week after the 4th of July holiday next week as well. So be with us for that. We'll get a lot into the recruiting stuff. Plan to have some folks on that are going to be at the Peach Jam and some of the big recruiting events coming up in the month of July. And it's an opportunity to turn our attention a little bit further into college football and IU and the Big Ten for next season. We've got some things planned for that. And, of course, we're always thinking ahead, breaking down the roster, talking about everything related to IU basketball for next season as well. So we've got all of that ahead in the month of July here in the off season. That is for sure. Have a great Wednesday. Be back with you Monday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Hoosier.